0: Before you sit down, (laughs) could everyone please stand for the reading? We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus, so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you.
1: Yes, amen. amen, amen, thank you so much, you're good, I got a mic. Thank you, all right, hey guys, you can grab a seat. I'm so excited to be here, are you excited to be here? Yes. This is our eighth annual women's conference or women's worship night that has now turned into a weekend conference, which we're so thrilled and excited. How many are coming back tomorrow? Who's gonna be? Yes, it's gonna be good. So I have to introduce you to my friend who is up here. That was Kristen Scott. Wasn't she amazing? So, so good. Uh, Kristen and I have been friends for probably six or seven years now and I think the world of her. Um, she was so kind enough to say yes to the invitation. Um, I reached out this summer and, and, and said, please, I, I want you to come and, and, I, and I, I need you to come. And um, she is just like hearing an actual angel uh, sing. And so um, our worship team, can we give it up for our entire worship team? Y'all pray for their voices. It's a lot of singing and we have a whole entire weekend. So they are pouring themselves out truly like Kristen talked about as an act of sacrifice of worship to God and it was incredible. And I'm so thankful for each one of you um, that you are here. How many of you, this is your very first women's event with us at Hope City? Let me see you wave at me. Oh my gosh, look look around. Wow, oh my goodness. How many of you have been to like five or more? Like you kind of just the quick, yeah, we're the veterans. So I want you to turn and talk. Um, this, is, this is a teacher move right here. I want you to turn and talk, turn and talk. Tell somebody like as many themes as you can remember like from past years, go ahead, talk to each other. See if you can chat about it. Can anybody remember all eight? Anybody know all eight? Okay, we got six. Katie knows them. Katie, what are they? Yes, Rosie the Riveter. We can do it. Beauty for ashes. Beauties for beauty for ashes, Yes. Then it was No. Well. It, well. it, well. it is well. It is well. Then goodness gracious. Goodness gracious. Refine. refine. No, thrive. thrive. Then, then refine. refine. Then refine. Then, uh, re- yes. Renew. Yeah. Oh my goodness, I love it. So really, truly what has happened over the, y'all, I was pregnant with Solomon, the very first one. How crazy is that? That's so fun. Um, So yeah, I was like way out to here. And I preached the second one, yeah, with Zeke, like I was ready to like give birth. It was crazy. So I I, I feel really grateful that this is something that God has continued to allow us to do and that he has grown. And it, it ends up holding a really significant place. So many of you end up telling me just how this kind of ends up almost becoming like thematic for your walk with God, or it ends up kind of holding a place. And that is my prayer for tonight, for this weekend, that God does something specifically personal to you to you. And as I was kind of reflecting back and thinking about the several years um, and kind of this different themes, I started to see that I have this like major um, appreciation for our E words, okay? That there is this, I didn't mean to do that, um, but that there seems to be just kind of this ongoing thing. I promise it wasn't on purpose, but we had for refine and then uh, recreate or recreate. And then this year is renew. And so I thought, well, we have to start by talking about what that prefix is all about. Cause clearly, God is doing something, at least inside of me. So guess what I found out? This is so cool, you guys. R-E as a prefix, you ready for it? English teacher, you know I gotta come at you with some language. R-E, the prefix, it means this. That has two different meanings. The first one is back, everybody say back. Back. It means back, one of the very first prefixes um, or, or meanings for the prefix R-E. It means back, like when a man's receding hairline, his hair is going Back, there you go. You got it, you got it. When you reduce the amount of money you spend, you lead it back to a smaller amount. When light reflects off of a surface, it bends back. back. There you go. Um, When you're returning home from an outing, you're turning back back home. And when a criminal reverts to being good again, he turns Back. back to morally upright behavior. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna start tonight asking you, what do you need to go back to? What do you need to return to? Maybe you need to get back to some basics in your faith, in your spiritual journey. Maybe for some of us tonight, we want to get back what the enemy has taken for us. Anybody from us, anybody? Maybe, maybe for some of us tonight, we wanna get back our confidence. Can anybody wave at me? Maybe we want to get back what feels like has been taken away. Get back our joy. Get back our families. Get back our peace. Come on, get back some enthusiasm. Get back to some wholeness. Get back to sobriety. Get back to stability. Get back to our purpose. How many of us, maybe some of us, maybe it's just me, some of us, maybe we just wanna get back Amen. So I I thought this was huge and and, and what kind of just has been hanging out with me, um, just kind of resonating with me for a while. I want you to check, check this out if you've got a Bible. Let's take a look at Psalm 51. Maybe you showed up tonight, Women's Conference 2022, to renew. And Psalm 51 is where I want us to kind of hang out for just a few moments. And starting in verse eight, it says this, Oh, give me back my joy. Again, you have broken me, now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, oh God, renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you." Man, maybe for some of us, we need a redo, we need to remove, we need to restore, we need to reclaim, or we need to rebuild something. And I also found out that the second meaning for that prefix RE, you ready ready for this? Here's what else it means. It means again, everybody say again. Again. It means again, say again. Again. One more time, say again. Again. Yes, and how many of you tonight believe that we serve a God of again again and again and again and again and again, amen? That however often we need to return to the throne of grace and say, God, will you forgive me again? God, will you do something new in me again? God, will you show up in my life again? So I want us to look at that verse again. Psalm 51, oh, give me what? Back my joy, what? Oh, look at that, look at that. You have broken me. Take a look at this scripture. Do you guys see it? Look at the rejoice. Look at the remove. Look at the renew. God is up to something. And this is our prayer. This is where we want to find ourselves. This is what gives us that contrite and and humble heart that God desires so much when we say, God, will you search me again? Will you search me again and bring me to the place, take me back to the place where you show up again? Amen. Again, maybe for instance, like when you rearrange the furniture in your room, you arrange it, again. Or a marathon runner can become rejuvenated, maybe like made young again. You know that runner's high you get after you run. Well, not me. I don't get that. Anybody else get that? (laughs) Not me. But they say that's true. Newts, like when they regenerate, they get limbs again, right? When a teacher recapitulates or reviews something that they've just taught, they go over the material Again, amen. And in our particular religious faith, we believe in redemption, which means that you have been bought back again and again and again, that the work of the cross, the gospel message is that Jesus makes us right. He redeems us. He paid a price. He bought us back so that we could be made right and made whole with God. So maybe for some of us tonight, we're just asking God, will you do it again? God, will you do it again? Will you help me have joy again, God? Will you help me be forgiven again, God? So as I kind of keep going with this, I, I want to pause right here. And I want you to reflect, I want you to think, as, ask the Holy Spirit, God, what, what is it that you could do in me again for you? Specifically, tonight, wherever you are at, whatever season of life, whatever your faith relationship with God, your journey has looked like, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. God, what is it that you need to do again? Because I believe this to be true for so many of us, that the last few years have just been hard. They've just been heavy, heavy. They've just been hard, unexpected life changes, massive upheavals to our routines and our ways of life, filled with so much loss, you guys, so much grief. We are still seeing the, reper- the repercussions of COVID and pandemic and all of the other experiences that we have walked through. Maybe it's just me, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but the overwhelm, the sadness, the grief, the disappointment, anybody with me, that it just feels heavy. And I'm asking that God would do something again. I'm asking that God would renew us. But here's the encouragement, here's the hope. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the very message that Jesus meets us in those hard and heavy places, amen. We know in Matthew 5 that it says, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who are persecuted, blessed are those. It goes on and on and on for all those places that feel heavy, for all of those places and spaces that make us feel discouraged, those places that we need God to come in and speak life to us again. We know that he reminds us. Jesus in his very own words says, blessed are you. Those, they're comforted. Those who mourn, guess what? God's there. Those who struggle, those who've been, uh, life has just you know, wreaked havoc on them. Those who are living in poverty, those who work at peace, those who are seeking justice, God is there. But I don't know about you. As much as I love those words, and there have been times that they are encouraging to me, there are other times where I go, I, I get it, it's there, but I'm still struggling. I want so much for that to just breathe life into me. And there have been seasons, there have been times where I'm like, yes, that's right. Blessed are the poor in spirit and blessed are those who I got, yes. But there have been times, if I'm being honest with you, where even those words felt hard to grab a hold of. And I wanna try and answer the question tonight, what do I do then? What do I do when I don't even know how to pray for myself? You ever been there? You ever been there? I, I'm gonna be, I, I have been there recently, like this week, like maybe today, right? Like God, sometimes it means being vulnerable with another person, a close friend, somebody you can trust and say, listen, I don't even know how to pray for myself right now, but I'm gonna need you to pray for me. Sometimes this is the work of the Holy Spirit and the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit prays for us the things that we don't even realize that we need. But I've been in places where I'm like, do I pray, God, make this feeling go away? Do I pray, God, fix this relationship? Do I pray? Well, if he fixes it, I don't know if I actually wanted to fix it. You know, like, how do I even pray? What do I even ask for? What do I even do? Maybe for some of us tonight, Psalm 31, 12 is where we find ourselves. David, in a low, low point, he writes, "'I am forgotten as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery.'" And the question then becomes, what do you do with broken pottery? What do you do with something that's entire purpose was to be able to hold something else? If it's broken, it's useless. If it's shattered, it is no longer beneficial. And if that is where you are at tonight, I have so much encouragement for you. I'm like ready to pour it out over your head, okay? The Bible is full of people who were broken. The Bible is full of people whose lives seemed utterly shattered. Their marriage is shattered. Their career has ended. Their most trusted relationship is betrayed. The people who were supposed to protect them and keep them safe have either either hurt them or completely abandoned them. The reputation that they fought so hard to preserve is shattered. The bank account that they thought that they had didn't suffice. We see that with the rich young ruler, right? There's a brokenness or there's a struggle. Okay? And, and we see it in characters like Jacob, who lies in such a significant way, he has to flee the country and go live with somebody else. We see it in Moses, who murders a man and has to flee through the night, leaving his entire life behind. We see it in characters like Joseph, whose very own brothers sold him into slavery. You think you've got family problems? That is some dysfunction. They faked his death, hit him in a pit, and then sold him into slavery. That's a bad day. He ends up as a servant in a household, gets accused of basically rape, thrown into prison, and he's completely innocent and he was there for years. That ain't a bad day, that's a bad decade. Maybe that's some of us looking at our lives and wondering how in the world is this ever gonna come back together? How in the world? It's not just, Andrea, like, okay, I got it. You think it's like broken into like two or three pieces and like a little bit of, you know, super glue is gonna hold that together. I'm talking it's like shattered into dust on the ground. Some of our lives in different seasons, maybe you're going through it right now, have looked so um, dire, so desperate. You're like, nobody. who, who can do anything with ashes? Who can do anything with that kind of brokenness? Ruth, you guys know Ruth? You remember Ruth in the Bible? Living in a war-torn country, loses a husband to war and is left in poverty. No title, no money, no name, broken, broken. David has an affair, kills a man, and then the child of that affair dies. Lost a child, Some of you, that's been your experience. How can God fix this? How can God mend what's been broken? How can he do it? But there are so many stories like that in the Bible. It's not just one or two or five. The Bible is filled with stories of broken people, just like you, just like me. And I believe that this is true because God is a God of redemption, amen? He does it so that we know that we're not alone. These stories remind us, they build our faith. They let us know that we're not alone. And he also does this so that we can be reminded that God, he just writes really cool stories. He just writes really cool stories, you guys, that those places where you have totally wanted to throw in the towel or call it quits or say that it is absolutely, utterly worthless. God says, but I'm not done. He says, but I'm not done. So a couple of months ago, um, I actually have a really good friend who um, was sharing in a, a different setting, in a different context, and he said a word I had never heard before. And this had kind of like did something radical inside of me. Um, and, and like, you know, you ever have that moment? Like something like you just get kind of obsessed with something and you're like, okay, this, there's something here. And I wanna share this word with you. Take a look at this. It's the word kintsugi, everybody say kintsugi. Kintsugi. Kintsugi, kintsugi. I had never heard of this before. Never heard of this before, just a few months ago. And I, as he was explaining the definition, I was like, I was kind of like a Holy Spirit I was having church like with myself. I was like, "What? How, 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 you ever heard of this? This is Jesus. This is what Jesus, this is Jesus. Okay, so look at this, look at this. Kintsugi is the Japanese art form of repairing broken pottery, okay? By mending the areas of breakage with lacquer dusted or mixed with gold powder. It treats the breakage and repair as part of the history of an object instead of something to disguise. You guys, I could have come out of my skin. I could have come out of my skin when I saw this. I was like, wait a second, wait a second. Will somebody, will you grab me one of the mugs? The, you know which ones I'm talking about? Have y'all seen this before? Have y'all ever seen this stuff? Oh, here's one, I got one, I got one. one. Y'all pass it to me, hand me this right here. Okay, This this is what it looks like, except it's actually broken and mended back together. So this comes from the 15th century, you guys. There was this Japanese guy who his favorite piece of pottery, his favorite bowl, shattered. And he sent it off uh, actually to China. And there were all of these master craftsmen who tried to put it back together again, except the way that they mended it was like big, huge staples or like they tried to you know, put some clay on it and like resurface it. And he was so dissatisfied. He was like, this, no, mm -mm, no, try again. And there was an artist who came up with the idea to make the imperfection highlighted instead of trying to disguise it. And actually it became so significant that through the centuries, artists and potters began breaking pottery on purpose to remend it, to put the gold on it, to make it more valuable. How cool is that? How cool is that? That it actually gained significance. It gained significance by exposing the cracks, by showing what had been the mistake or the problem or the breakage or the jagged edges, they put gold on top of it. I, like y'all, I'm telling you, like my mind was blown. I was like, what in the world? Wow, and so a celebration of what once had been wrong is what made the thing more valuable. And that I believe wholeheartedly with everything inside of me is exactly what God is trying to do with our lives. So much of scripture, you guys, even is full of this metaphor of God being the master potter and us being the clay. That God does something supernatural in how he shapes us and purposes us and puts us together. And I just wanna ask each one of you tonight that what if what if the very thing that you are the most embarrassed about, what if the very thing that seems the most disgusting or disturbing or frustrating about your life, the thing that seems the most irreparable or most broken is the very thing that God is trying to highlight and make valuable in your life? What if the thing that you have desperately been trying to cover up and make sure that nobody finds out and nobody knows about, and if they ever knew, and if they actually discovered, right? What if that is the very thing that God is saying, but if you would just let me put some gold on that right there, if you would just let me come into that crack, into that crevice and mend what has been broken, you would actually be healed and whole. And then your testimony becomes something of beauty to everybody else that you're willing to show it to. Amen? Amen. But here's my question. I get that far in the process and I'm like, but why God? Why do you have to do it that way? Why do you have to make me feel so vulnerable? Anybody else? You're like, but why does, why God? Why do you want me to be so exposed? Why is it so necessary that the thing that just feels so shameful or hard for me, why? Why does God do it that way? And here's what I believe. Here it is, you ready for this? Number one, to remind you of his faithfulness. He wants to highlight it. When you look back and you see that gold, you go, oh, there he was. Oh, there he was. Oh, he did it then, he can do it again, amen? To encourage others. When other people look at that and they go, oh my goodness, do you know? that her marriage was almost completely shattered and broken, do you know what God did? Do you know how he put it back together again? Oh my goodness, have you heard her story? Man, it is so incredible. Like I really thought she was gonna die. Like there was a season where the addiction was so bad, I just, I, I just knew I was gonna get the phone call that she was gonna be dead. Man, do you know her story? Let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what happened. And as people begin to see what God has done in you and the parts that felt the most, scary. The parts that felt the most, like, we gotta cover that up. Nobody can know that. People look at it and they go, if he could do it for her, he could do it for me. If he could do it for her, he could do it for me. And I believe that the reason that this is the path that God chooses, I believe it's because it demonstrates that only he can make it better. It's so irreparable, only God could do it. It's so broken and disastrous, only God could do it. It's so discouraging, despicable, heartbreaking, whatever adjective you want to use, that only God supernaturally working and willing and moving and loving and shaping and molding only God. God could do it. So how does he do this? All right, so you're like, okay, Andrea, okay, okay, okay. I got it, I got it, I got it. But where do I start? Like where, okay, it's a lot, it's a lot. So where do I even begin? Here's what I wanna tell you, okay? Number one, awareness. And here's what I mean by awareness. It's a healthy recognition that you are not in control. It's an awareness that God is the master potter. It's an appropriate humility to say, he is greater and I am less. He is faithful even when I fail. It's a proper positioning of where God belongs. It's an awareness. It's an awareness. Isaiah twenty nine sixteen says it like this. You turn things upside down as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, you did not make me. Can the pot say to the potter, you know nothing? And this is what we do. This is what we do. God, when are you gonna move up this timeline, I'm ready to get married right now. God, I've been struggling for so long. When are you gonna do it? Oh God, you know what? Here, God, here's, listen, 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 listen. Here's what you should do, I'm gonna tell you. Some of you who've been praying for your kids who maybe are not walking with the Lord right now, you're like, God, come on, I'm gonna tell you what you, but God, but God, come on, God. Some of you who have been asking for God to move in significant ways and you think it's going to go a certain way, you have this picture perfect image of your future and God's like, you don't even know. You don't even, you, listen, you think, you think I'm gonna make you like a teeny tiny little like succulent pot, but I need to make you like a Grecian urn. Like this, is, I got a bigger plan. You know, I got something different in store for you. You just need to hang on a second, okay? It's an, it's an awareness that he is the potter. But I think I really, I'm gonna hang right here for just a second. Y'all, we, listen, I got four kids. And I want them to behave. Like I want them to act a certain way. I want them to do right. I want them to like, I don't, y'all Zeke. I mean, if you could just, (laughs) if you could just, okay, I gotta tell you this story real fast. He, a few weeks ago, we were at Sadie's soccer practice. Jason was like, where is Zeke? We look over y'all, he has joined a flag football team that we don't even know these people. We don't even know these people. And he was shoeless, okay? He, he was shoeless with the, flat. anyway, I'm just saying like I, if you know, mm, we mamas, we think we get, we, if mm, just let me get my hands on them. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? And God's like, no, but I got a special plan for that one. <laughs> Your kids will reveal so much about you. I got married and realized I was selfish. And I had kids and realized I was real angry. (laughs) (laughs) But Jesus is helping me, amen. Okay, so we gotta give up control, that's what I'm saying. You gotta have an awareness that God is in control. He created a whole universe, I mean, I think he's got it, right? And we are not in control and it is so dang hard. It is so dang hard. Isaiah 45 says, what sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator? Oh, does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it, saying, stop, stop, you're doing it wrong? (laughs) Does the pot exclaim, how clumsy can you be? I know some of y'all rearrange the dishes in the dishwasher because then can't nobody else do it right. You gotta let go of that, I promise it will help you. Okay, God is the potter, God is the potter and we are the what? The clay the clay, we are the clay. I got one more for you, Isaiah 64 says it like this, verse eight, and yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We all are formed by your hand. God, it's, it, it's, it's, it's so there, right in front of us, over and over and over and over again. But I, 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 I struggle, but I'm working on it. Thank you, Jesus, an awareness, a proper awareness of the position that God should have in our lives. That's number one, awareness. Everybody say awareness. Awareness. Here's number two, surrender. Oh, here we go, come on, come on. I gotta know, I gotta know where God's position is above me as the authority, as the creator, as the maker, but then I have to surrender to, to, to that. The clay, y'all can't do nothing with hard clay. Since I've been talking about my kids, let's just keep on talking, I hate Play-Doh, I hate it. I hate it. Slime is worse, but Play-Doh is bad too. Okay, so the Play-Doh, if it's outside of the container for like an hour, what happens to it? It gets hard, it's stuck in my carpet. Okay, the only useful clay is soft, moldable clay. You have to be willing to be molded. You have to surrender. You have to soften. Okay, God, I've been too hard. God, do soften it again. So even in that, it's a a supernatural miracle for some of us that God says, (laughs) I know you've worked so hard to be hard. I know that it's been a coping mechanism for you, but if you'll let me, I'll make you soft and I'll make you something beautiful. We have to surrender. We have to be malleable. We have to soften, soften. We say, okay, God, I surrender. Surrender looks like softening. That's what it means. That's what it looks like. Okay, God, have your way, do it again. And the third thing if you really want that wholeness, if you're at the place where you're like, okay, enough's enough. I don't wanna be broken anymore. You gotta be obedient. You gotta be obedient. The Bible says obedience is greater than what? Sacrifice. We're like, God, I'm gonna give you my time. I'm gonna give you my money. I'm gonna give you my talents. I'm gonna give you my kids. I'm gonna give you all the... Sacrifice plays a part. It keeps us, you know, kind of from being greedy, but the obedience is what he's after. Because if you're obedient, he can use you. We try to like mm, appease our guilt by giving, by showing up, by serving, by doing. But the obedience is where we go, whatever you want, God, it's all yours anyway. Okay, yep, all right, here we go, we're doing it again. Yep, okay, all right, obey again. All right, okay, here we go. Obedience, that's what he's after. That's what he needs. That's what's required. Obedience, obedience. It's the central idea of Christianity because it was modeled by Christ. Unto his obedience to the cross. To the cross, to the cross. Isaiah 53, five says, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be what? Whole. There it is. What enacts the ability for our brokenness to be mended was his crushing and his brokenness. Y'all track him with me? That is what makes us whole. Look at it again, crushed for our sins, beaten so we could be whole, whipped so that we could be what? Healed. You don't have to be broken anymore. Anymore. He did the work on the cross. He was broken so that we could be made whole. And I think even Jesus himself is an example of this kintsugi idea. You know why? Because the pierced hands, they stayed. When his body was resurrected and he showed back up, God could have perfected every part of him, but he didn't. Why? To testify, to tell the story, to remind us that it really happened. His nail scarred hands, That is interesting to me because what would seem logical to my mind is, okay, he's raised from the dead, he goes back to heaven and then ascends back to earth before he transcends again. I would think he would have this like absolutely perfected body, but no. He kept the evidence of what God did. It was gold, it was glorious. The scars that you carry tell the story of what God has done, of his faithfulness, of how he has healed you. Our brokenness is made whole. We get the healing and we become a witness to others because of it, amen? But it doesn't stop there. Here's where we're ending. Here's where we wanna land. This is the scripture that Julie read to us. Second Corinthians, here's what it says. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing a great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not what? Jesus, if you go back, Jesus was crushed so that we would not have to be, amen? We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. That sounds real confusing. Let me give you some theology right here. We live in a broken world. You are not the part that's broken. You feel broken because you long for heaven. So the next time that you start to get that sense that something is not right, that everything is shattered, that God can't restore it or God can't do anything, what's wrong with me? No, 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 no. That is because you live in a broken world and you long for heaven. So our bodies suffer and our bodies break down, but the glory that we are carrying inside of us, that's what it says. It's not, okay, so let me say it like this. Like there's three parts happening here, okay? Our brokenness is made whole, and then that testifies to others, but we also are jars that carry Jesus with us. Y'all tracking with me? If the metaphor is that we are the pottery, that we are the pots, there is something inside of us. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and in me. Amen. In other words, God did not just make you pretty so that you could enjoy being happy and whole and pretty. He made you whole so that you could carry him to share the gospel, to grow the kingdom of God, to remind others that if he did it for me, he can do it for you. You carry that with you. You carry that with you. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death. Jesus suffered, we suffer. It reminds us of of what he did. It's It's a, Um, a relationship that is calling us back to a remembrance. Well, if Jesus suffered, I suffer. That is making me more like Christ, okay? Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. It's all supposed to be a reflection of him. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life. The end game. The end game, guys, is that we get to spend eternity with Jesus, and we wanna bring as many people along as we possibly can, amen? We are not broken. We are not broken. We live in a broken world. And when we feel broken, it's a call, it's a reminder that Jesus has an opportunity to do a work inside each one of us, amen? Amen. Amen. I wanna pray for us as we close. God, I thank you so, so much, Father. I thank you, God, that in your perfect design for each one of us, God, you want us to be a part of the story. God, the work that you do in our lives is not just for our own benefit, but that we may glorify and honor you and share with others how incredibly faithful you are. God, I pray that in these next few moments, God, that you speak to each woman. God, don't let us miss an opportunity to engage with what you're calling us into. Heal us, God. Renew us in Jesus' name, amen.